Welcome to Gethsemane Church. I'm Pastor Mark Lowe. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We hope today's service will inspire you, challenge you, and encourage you. For more information about our church, please go to GethsemaneChurchG3.com. God bless and enjoy the service. of our praise always is amen it is good to have you in the house of the lord amen reach around and shake your neighbor's hand and give him a big hug say it's good to have you amen it's awesome to have finding your seat. I want to read a passage of scripture to you found in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44. The Bible declares, therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Amen. Be ready. Will you be ready? Is the question that God's laid on my heart tonight. Will you be ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, it's an honor to be in your house this side of eternity. It's an honor to gather together with our brothers and our sisters in Christ, all God's children, in this place, Hodges, South Carolina. April the 20th, 2022. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to have woke up today, God, and seen this beautiful world that you've created for us. It's an absolute blessing to wake up And to think, could this be the day? The day where all pain, all sorrow, all sickness and sadness goes away for all of us. Could it be the day? Just a blessing to be able to wake up and think about that today, God. And this day is far spent, but it's not over. The new day only begins 1201 late tonight early in the morning so you still could return and Father we're just so blessed to have that hope in knowing God that when you return if we're ready we're going to hear that trumpet sound and your word tells us that your sheep will hear and know your voice when you call us upward to that great marriage supper of the Lamb where we will dine with you and all those that have gone on. What a wonderful time it'll be. What a reunion. Father, we're thankful for that and we're thankful tonight to be able to hear your word, spoken word of God. The word that is alive, that changes, encourages, challenges we're thankful for that tonight thankful for the word that you inspired these men to pen thankful Lord for the life that they lived the example and the example of your son Jesus Christ that all of us 
should do our best to emulate. Father, we ask that no one leaves here tonight not understanding your word. Our Father, I pray that I would say nothing that you wouldn't want said. I pray, God, that what's said, Lord, would be easy to understand and that it would be anointed heavily by the Holy Ghost. That it not return to you void. Move Mark and speak to your church tonight, God. And Lord, we'll always praise you and honor you and glorify you. And boy, do we thank you for being our God, for being our Savior, for being our King and our friend, our guide and our refuge. Thank you so much for all that you mean to us and all that you are to us and all that you do for us. Thank you, God. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. Thank you, Lord. And all God's children said, Amen, Amen. We'll dismiss our young people and their teachers tonight. If you have your Bible, want to go with us to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25 tonight. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. As I look out upon this congregation tonight, I have two thoughts. One, you look beautiful. Two, I must smell real bad. Because all of y'all are back that way. Amen. That's all right. That's all right. <clears throat> my mama raised me not let my feelings get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so there were these two fellas. Dearly loved the game of baseball. Older gentlemen. And they would sit out on the porch in the evening and discuss the baseball games that had taken place the day before or early that day. Both of them were Christian men, as I said, late in life. And one particular evening, Bill looked over at John and he said, Hey, John, do you think there might be baseball in heaven? John said, Well, Bill, you know, I've never thought about it. I really don't know. And Bill said, well, let's, let's, let's just agree here today that if one of us leaves before the other, that we'll ask the Lord to let the other one somehow know if there is or isn't baseball in heaven. I mean, God can do anything, right? To which John said, you're right. All things are possible, the Bible says. So they prayed about that thing and said, that's what we'll ask God. If it's possible, which it is with God, if one of us goes before the other one, that one of them will be able to come back and let the other one know. Or there'll be some sign. So time goes by, a few months pass by, and sure enough, old Bill passes on before John. And so on this one particular afternoon, John's sitting out on the porch thinking about his friend Bill, and he remembers the conversation that they had. And he says, gosh, you know, he said, one thing for sure Bill knows now, whether there's baseball in heaven. And I really do hope that maybe one day God will honor our prayer and Bill will let me know whether there's baseball in heaven. So a few days rock on and John's sitting out on the porch. Sure enough, this angel shows up and he's in the form of his friend Bill. And he walks over to John and John sees him as Bill, you know, and he, he says, Bill, it's good to see you. 
and he reaches over and hugs him, you know, and they chat for a little while. And John just looks at him and says, what brings you here? Bill said, well, you know, John, a few months back, you and I were sitting here and we had a discussion about whether there was baseball in heaven. He said, I've got some good news. He looks at John and he said, there's baseball in heaven. And John just shouted. It took him a minute to settle down. He was so excited to know there was baseball in heaven and they'd be able to talk about it again when he left this world. And he just ran around the porch a few times and came back, sat down, and just was so overwhelmed. And then Bill walks over to him and says, but I also got some bad news, John. And John looked at him and said, what? He said, well, I looked over the schedule and they got you scheduled to pitch tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Will you be ready? Amen. You don't know, right? The Bible's verse that I read to you says, you know not the hour, right, when the Son of Man's going to return. We got to be ready. Is that right? Be ready because you just never know. In fact, the Bible teaches us that our life is like a vapor, Right? Meaning, we're here one moment, you see us, and then we're gone. Is that right? 100 years, I'm realizing, as I have eclipsed half of that, is not a long period of time. It's not. In fact, now, people that are 70 or 80 are now young to me because I'm approaching that. It's amazing how old changes. Isn't that right? The older I get, old is not what I used to think it was. I used to think if you were 30, you got one foot in the grave, right? But the closer I get to 60, 70, 80, I mean, that's like recycled teenagers, as the brother Joey says and Sister Jeannie. But it pays us to be ready because we're here one moment and we're gone the next. We're not promised. You've heard people say that many times, and the Bible does say that. I'll read a scripture to you at the end here about that. But it does teach us, right, basically not to put off till tomorrow what you can do today because we're not promised tomorrow. Is that right? Will you be ready? Right? It's important that John be ready. Right? Because he's, he's fixed a pitch. And he wasn't thinking about that. Right? And so I think for you and I, it's the same way. We're not promised tomorrow. We think we're going to live a long period of time, especially when we're young. We, can't, we just can't envision or see the end in our lives. But time does draw close. And it's important to be ready. But the other reason it's important to be ready is you never know when the Lord's going to call us all home. You know, it may not be when you get old and die. He may come get us all, right? And the church age will be ended in the rapture as he calls us all home. So it's important to be ready whether he calls us individually or whether he calls us collectively as a group. Been preached many, many times, but the truth still remains the truth. We got to be ready, right? We know that to be true because we've seen many, many funeral services preached right here in this church. You've probably been to many in your lifetime and you'll probably go to a few more if the Lord tarries. So we all know that we're born and we're going to die. That's, that's evident. And sometimes it's before what we would consider our time. But God has a time for us all. Will you and I be ready? Let's take a look here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verse 1 through 13 tonight. Let's look at this together and we'll stop and take a look. I have a few points here. I'm not going to tell you how many because you might get up and leave, but I have a few points Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. Look at your neighbor and say, I got it. All of you should have said it because it's on the board. Not yet. Fixing to be. Now it is. Got it. Got it. 
<clears throat> All right, so, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise, the Bible said, took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried and slept, the Bible says. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the Bible says the door was then shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And then he goes on to say something here. Watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour, as we read to you earlier, wherein the Son of Man comes. Right? We don't know when that time is going to come. So in this story here, Jesus is given a parable teaching what the kingdom of heaven looks like, what it'll be like, how it'll be. And he gives us this parable here using these ten virgins, and he tells a story here with their lamps and the bridegroom and their desire to see him. There's some things here I want to point out to you when you talk about being ready, right? It's important that we're ready. The very first thing that you see when you take a look at this in the very, very first verse, there's about three things that really stand out. The first couple of verses. He says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Very clearly here, when you see the word virgin, it simply signifies that they were pure, they were untouched by the world, sinless, if you will. Right? So it's important for us here when you're watching this that Jesus is speaking to people that know him. These virgins were pure, untouched by the world. And in this parable here, that, that equates to sinless, all ten of them. So when you think about being ready, it's been said many times, and you hear preachers preach it, and it's true because it's what we're here for, right? We're, I mean, we're not here to eat donuts and coffee. I mean, can I get a witness about the donuts and the coffee sat Sunday, huh? Yeah, you know where that came from. Amen. Amen. But we're not really here for the donuts and the coffee, and we're not really here... Right, for all the different things that we do as a church, right? There's a lot of things we do that are really fun and exciting, like eating, <laughs> fellowshipping, you know, all the things that we do. There's a lot we do. But I mean, really, we're not here for those things, although that's part of fellowship. That's part of communing with the saints. It's stuff that we do to grow closer to each other and build relationships with each other, but also to build a relationship with Christ, right, with each other. But we're really here that people are saved, amen, that I'm saved, that you're saved. Saved meaning why? Why? But so we're ready. Is that right? 
So it says here that these, these were ten virgins, pure, untouched by the world. And the Bible speaks to us that we are to be what? That we are to be white, spotless, right? Without blemish, pure. How are you pure? In Christ. So the first question, or the first thought that comes to mind when you read this, Jesus is telling them, you need to be saved. You need to be ready. You need to have a relationship, right? It's important to have that, to be pure in him if we're going to be ready. So he starts this parable off to him. It's not chance or circumstance. It doesn't shock me that the first thing he said, that these were ten virgins, pure and untouched, which took, he said, their lamps. So these ten virgins had these lamps and they took them. When you see the word lamp here, it would appear to be that these are believers in Christ. They took their lamps. Jesus said that you and I are to be what? The light of the world. Is that right? A city on a hill cannot be hid. A lot of times we see this parable as saying five saved, five unsaved. But he said all ten of them were pure. All ten. And all ten had lights. And as you'll look here in a minute, you'll realize that all ten of those lights were lit. All ten. Okay? All ten lights were lit. If you're not careful, sometimes you read that thinking only five were lit and five wasn't. But that's not what the story says. We'll slow down and read it here in a minute. But these were pure and they had lamps, right, to be light. If we're going to be ready, right, when Jesus calls us home either individually or collectively, we must have the light of the world in us. Is that right? And we should be showing the light of the world. Don't hide it under a bushel. No, Brother Billy. Right? But let it shine, right? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Isn't that right? Doesn't that take you to the place where he said that we are to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? Being ready is not simply just getting saved, but it's about doing the will of the Father. Amen? Some people think being saved is the end all to end alls. It is the beginning of all. Amen? It's the beginning. So we must be pure and we must have the light of the world in us and we must be about the Father's business. Isn't that what Jesus did, right? That's what he did. Two greatest commandments, love God. If you love God, you'll be obedient to his word and you'll be saved. The second greatest commandment is love your neighbor yourself. Go ye. Isn't that right? Two greatest commandments. It's not chance or circumstance that Christ starts with the two greatest commandments right there. Amen? But he gives it to us in a parable. But that's exactly what he's saying. For us to be ready, we must have had this relationship. And we must have that lamp lit and be about the Father's business. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say amen. <laughs> it would also appear here, as it says, they took their lamps, and I love this, and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. The Bible teaches us to seek Christ while he may be what? It would appear that these are believers in Christ, for they were looking for him and had a desire to be with him. They had these ten lamps, and they were looking for him. The Bible says that they had gotten up here, and they were looking. Let me read that one more time for you. It said, these ten virgins which took their lamps went forth to meet the bridegroom, went seeking him. I think it's, it's an intricate part again for us to think about, 
Right? If we're going to be ready when that time comes, we should be seeking him, not just when we hear the trumpet, but seek him every day. Amen? We should seek to be closer to God every single day. It would be foolish for us to get saved and just sit back and say, I ain't going to do nothing else until I hear that trumpet sound. There's a good chance you ain't going to hear it. Amen? Because if we're not being obedient and doing what he told us to do, and the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's a sin. So if I know I'm supposed to be about the Father's business and I'm not, I'm just trying to, and he gives us a parable, a parable about that too, right? Where I'm just trying to take my one little old talent and I'm going to hold it right here until you come back. So that way I'll be faithful having this one thing, right? And what did he do? He took it from him and gave it to somebody else. Is that right? So if we're going to be ready, we have to be in hot pursuit of the bridegroom. Amen? I was about to say, now, y'all ladies know what I'm talking about, how y'all chase that husband. But most of the time it's the other way around, ain't it? Us men chasing the women, right? But you know what I'm saying. It, it's important for us to have such a passion and such a desire that we want to be, man, I want to be almost so close to God that I can hear him say, go get your church, right? That I'll be ready before he blows the trumpet. You see what I'm saying? Oh, that's how passionate we should be for Christ to have that hunger these ten virgins it says went about took their lamps and they were looking for him right they were looking for him so it shows a passion at least on the onset and I think you see that so many times in Christians right I remember when I first got saved you remember when you first got saved I'll be true with you today I had more of a passion and a hunger for Christ then sometimes than I do today I mean, there was, there was no stopping me when I first got saved. I mean, I wanted, I wanted more of the word, more than I could. I, I didn't want to miss a service. I didn't want to miss a Bible study. I, I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to get around people talking about the Lord. I wanted, to turn, I wanted to, my radio station immediately turned to Christian radio. I couldn't get enough. I was pouring myself into God. And that's the closest I've ever been to the Lord. Times, there's been times in my life I've been close, but it's always because I began to pursue Him. Right, And that's what it should be. But I think a lot of times as Christians, on the, at the onset, we're very passionate about Jesus. We get saved. We're pure. We have our light lit, man. We're going out. We're lighting everybody's world. Right? Kathy Tricoli used to sing that song. I love that song. Go light your world. Isn't that right? Go light your world. I'd sing it for you, but I wouldn't. I'd mess it up. <laughs> Kathy's probably thinking, thank God. But there's a passion and a hunger in this parable. So Jesus lays that out, right? That relationship, be about the Father's business, have a hunger. Because he said in Matthew chapter 5 that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, what did he say? You shall be filled. Is that right, Brother Clay? That's what he said. It's one of the Beatitudes. So you see how he's, he's just teaching the same things that Jesus always taught in this parable. Here's how you're ready. Remember the apostles said to him, Lord, how are we going to know? In Matthew chapter 24, just a chapter prior to this, a few verses back. How are we going to know when you're going to return? How are we going to know when the end is? Right? And so you can see the same. They're trying to figure it out, right? And Jesus is starting all over here saying, here's how you, here's how you just need to be ready. And here's how you're ready. Right? We shouldn't be concerned about necessarily when is the time. Just be more concerned about I'm ready for whenever the time is. Amen? 
People today have been trying to figure God out. They're spending more time trying to figure out when the time is than being ready when the time comes. Amen? Be ready when the time comes. Not saying we shouldn't study to try to figure out the time, but I'm going to give you a caveat. You're never going to figure it out because the Bible tells us that only He knows. Amen? So what makes, sense? What makes more sense? Spend your time trying to figure out when it is or spend your time being ready for whenever it does. Is that right? So Jesus is teaching them here, don't be so caught up in when, just be ready. Right? Be ready. And so, he, it's, it's awesome here. He continues on as you read this. Man, we ain't even got out of the first two verses. Jesus is laying some theology on them, is he not? He said, they went forth to meet the bridegroom, still in verse 1. And the Bible says, five of them were wise and five foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Verse 4 says, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, in verse 3 it says, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Clearly here, they were not prepared. They didn't put the work in to sustain the light. On the other hand, the other five were wise and put in the work to ensure that they had what they needed in order to not miss him. What made the difference between those who were prepared, the wise, and the foolish? Preparation. Isn't that right? The Bible says to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Is that right? Preparation. Jesus is teaching preparation. Be prepared. If you're prepared, the chances of failure are, are, are slim. If you're prepared. These five foolish took their lamps, but they didn't take no oil with them. So there was an excitement. There was a hunger, but no preparation. I believe Jesus taught another parable when he talked about the seed. Did he not? And he talks about how some of that seed, right, fell upon stony soil and it shot up, right? But as soon as the sun hit it, it did what? Withered and died. Why? Because it didn't get rooted. It, got, it started well, but it was on stony soil, so it couldn't dig deep. It could not root, right? This is what's happening here. There's no question about these five virgins that they were saved. There was no question that they didn't have the light of the world in their brother Ron. But the concern here is, is they never got rooted in God. Amen? They didn't prepare. They left their oil. They took their lamps and they ran out, right? But they were not prepared for what was ahead of them. They failed to prepare. The other five, it appears, prepared because the Bible says that these five took oil in their vessels. Had their lamps, the oil in their lamps, that was going because the Bible said they trimmed Right? These, they got up, they went to go see. you hear in a minute when he cries out to them, you'll see them trim those lamps right again. But there was no oil. They failed to prepare. Guys, if we're going to be ready, it's one thing to be saved, it's another thing to do God's work, but we've got to prepare through praying, fasting, amen, seeking. There's a lot of preparation that goes into it, right? We call it the journey. Isn't that what we call it? I tell people all the time, don't rush your journey, right? And sometimes 
We don't like some of the things that come our way, but it's part of the journey. Along the way, there's difficult things in life, but try to see the good in what's happening and why God's got you going that way. It's the journey. What makes you and I who we are as Christians and as people is the journey. Amen? The highs, the lows, the good, the bad. If we had it our way, there would be nothing but good. But what kind of a journey would you have? Most people say, well, I'd be happy. Right? But if you never experience loss, can you truly experience victory? If you've never experienced loss, do we even know what victory is? Come on, somebody. Now listen. I know you're still tired from 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday getting ready to come. There was nobody more tired than me because I was as confused as a cow on AstroTurf Sunday. I told Pastor Keith, I said, boy, you're talking about messing it up. But look, you see what I'm saying? If there's no... If you don't experience a little difficulty in life, how will you understand deliverance? If you don't experience bondage, how can you experience freedom? You with me? You don't know what freedom is. You've always lived in that, so you you think, well, that'd be good. I'd like to try that sometime, right? But in order to know those things, you must have been in another place too. Don't miss the journey. Amen? Enjoy the journey. It's a short period of time, Brother Ron, right? We're here and then we're gone. Enjoy it. There's joy in the youth. There's joy in the middle age. There's joy in the elder, amen? There's joy in all of those. Don't miss it, but be prepared, amen? Jesus is simply saying here to these, to all of us, to his apostles in this parable, you need to be prepared. Don't let it catch you by surprise, the Bible makes mention that had, had the man known that there was a thief coming by and he was going to rob his house, would he not have been prepared? Sure he would. If tomorrow, if there's any man or woman in here worth your salt in this world, if you knew tomorrow that somebody was going to come and rob your house and threaten the lives of your family, how many of you would not be prepared if you knew about it? How many? I'd be prepared. Amen? Me and two other guys, Smith and Wesson. (laughs) And Jesus. Amen? So it's important for us to be prepared. Make sure that we're ready, we're prepared, right? We have a relationship. We're hungry, we're chasing. We're about the Father's business. Don't be foolish and not be prepared. But be prepared as the five virgins were here. The Bible says that these five foolish weren't prepared, but the other five took oil in their vessels. While the bridegroom tarried, look at your neighbor and say, he's tarrying now. I don't know if you know it or not, but he's been tarrying since the cross. Amen? Jesus has been tarrying since the cross. He has not returned. He's given us time to do what? Prepare. Is that right? To prepare. This is why it's going to be hard for us one day to be justified in saying we didn't know. (laughs) We've had a lot of time to get to know. Amen? Some of us that's got gray hair like myself, I've had a lot of time to prepare. Amen? So for me to say I'm not ready, I didn't know, It's going to fall on deaf ears. Amen? He's been tarrying. Tarrying not because he is, 
not because he is lazy, not because he is weak, not because he is whatever you want to put, but because he cares, he loves us, and he's merciful. The Bible says, yet but for the elect's sake. Amen? That's the reason why he hasn't returned, for the elect's sake. Right? If you go read in Matthew chapter 24, I will tell you today that everything that he told them has came to pass. Go read it. My preacher, I believe you, but the Bible says that every creature must hear his voice. How do you know they haven't? Isn't that right? He didn't say as soon as that one last person in Shoals Junction, South Carolina, that's never heard about Jesus Christ, hears, trumpet sounded, baby's gone, it's over. He just said that has to happen. But he didn't say how long after that he would return, did he? He just said it had to happen. I believe all those things have happened, and we're just now in that mercy state, given preparation time, right? Because I have loved ones. You have loved ones. We have friends. God has children that don't know him. He's merciful, right? So that's just Mark's opinion. Go read it for yourself. I think we're there. Amen? Somebody, people ask me all the time, Mark, where do you think we're at? I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> Maybe we, do we need to call somebody? <laughs> but they'll look at you like, where are we at? You know, where are we at in time? Where is it? You know, where are we at in God's time? Give me a graph, you know, do something. I said, well, we're in grace dispensation. Jesus and God would be justified today if they said it's finished and came back justified because it's all happening and happened. So this is why he tells them in chapter 25, right after he tells them that in 24, get ready, right? Get ready because he is coming. He's coming. Little caveat, you've heard me preach just before, but since I used the verse, when he says, until every one of them has heard his voice, I don't believe our Lord is talking about they heard a word from the word, but that they understood the word. Understood it to the point that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Amen? Understanding is what that verse translates. That they all understand. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hmm. Y'all going to interact whether you want to or not. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. <laughs> Ain't Jesus just something? He just looked at them and said, while I was up there giving you time to prepare, what would y'all do? Slumbered and slept, right? And what does God have to do? Two planes into the World Trade Centers. Wake up. Is that right? Earthquakes in diverse places. God, why are you doing this? Wake up. Amen. We're slumbering and we're sleeping. And God's crying out to the church today as he did in the book of Isaiah. Awake, Zion. Awake. Shake yourself. Amen. That's what he said. Why, God, are you allowing such death and destruction into Ukraine? Wake up. Amen. Those people need to wake up. We need to wake up. Wars and rumors of wars, he said. 
Wake up. Amen? Be ready. God, why? God, why? God, why? And God says, why? Why must I? Amen? Because we slumber and we sleep. I'm going to show you how awesome God is. In just a little bit here, you're going to see a few verses over in a couple of the Gospels where he takes some apostles with him as he goes to pray. While he was praying, he comes back, and what were they doing? And what did Jesus say? He said, get up. Pray lest you fall into the same temptation. Right? He was simply saying, be ready. Amen? Be ready. Because the same thing's going to happen to you. They're going to persecute me, but they're going to persecute you for my namesake. Be ready. For you know not when. Right? That time is coming. They were slumbering and sleeping. Jesus is telling them here, how are you going to be ready? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all these that he talked to. How are you going to know when to be ready? James, how are you going to know? Be ready, right? Don't slumber and sleep. (laughs) So while he was away, they slumbered and they slept. And at midnight, look at your neighbor and say midnight. At midnight, there was a cry made. Midnight represents time ending. The day has been spent. At midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Will we be ready? Will we be ready at the midnight cry? Amen. Clay Cross used to sing that song. Oh, UPS driver, Clay Cross. That's what he used to do before he was a Christian singer. Didn't cost you nothing, that was free. He sung that song. Brother Craig Loner sung that song too. I thought he sung it, sung it better than Clay Cross. Amen. Because he sung it with passion. Amen. He believed what he was singing. Not to say that Clay didn't. But Bubba had a little bit of passion behind it. A lot of it. But midnight here represents the day is over and the beginning of a new day. Right? So when the trumpet is sound, the midnight cry. Amen. When the trumpet sounds... And God calls all of his children home. The time that you and I know will end as it exists. The church age. And a new day, come on somebody, in glory, amen, will begin. The old is passed away. Behold, all things are new. Not just in my life, but right here in this story. Is that right? At the midnight cry, time will end He will no longer be merciful. He will no longer be tarrying. He he is sitting on the throne now as a merciful, gracious Christ. When he stands in authority, he will return as a conquering king. Amen? Two different sides. I don't want to be on the other end of that thing. If you don't believe it, go over and read the book of Revelation and tell me what you see. Jesus is coming back, and the Bible says his eyes are like fire, feet like brass. He says his hair is white with wool, and he's got a vesture on across him here, dipped in blood that says King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And a sword in his hand. Man, he is coming back not as a, not as a lowly, meek, sacrificial lamb, but as a conquering king. And this is where the Bible says 
that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. Amen? Amen. On that day. I want to look at his backside when that's happening, not in his face. Because if you're looking at his face when he is coming, then look out. Amen? We're on the wrong end of the deal. You want to be looking at his backside, because that means you'll be riding with him, not against him. Amen? Man, I don't want to be against Jesus. Isn't that right? <laughs> oh, man, the Bible teaches us that, right? That we're more than conquerors with him. We can all do, do all things with him, but Lord have mercy if he's against you. If God be for us, he said, who can be against us? Now, the flip side of that is, if God be against us, who going to save you? Nobody. Amen? Because he's God. So midnight here represents time ending and the day far spent. I'm going to put it to you in where it shows terms. It's over. Amen? Done. Finished. Right? It's just kaput. Gone. Whatever you want to use. Right? That time that you and I know now where it is so easy to be ready. Right? That's over with at that point. And he calls us all home. Now, there'll be some people. I know what some of y'all think right now, now, preacher. Sister Elsie taught me in 180 that there'll be some people saved during the tribulation. So is it really over, preacher? Is it really? Grace is. It's going to cost you your life there. And it sounds simple. Well, I'll just give my life up. Oh, it ain't going to be that easy. Go read it. Difficult, hard, we've never experienced it. The Bible says a time like has never been before, ever. You don't want to be there. And the folks that have to give their life there, it's so much easier to be ready now and have a surety rather than having insurance, I'd rather have assurance. Amen? You have assurance now in knowing that if you do what he's telling us in his parable, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. In this other place, it's just a roll of the dice. See, your salvation will be based on you instead of him. Can you withhold? Can you withstand? Can you? But right now the question is not whether I can. It's already he has. Amen? You with me? There's a difference. Christ is still the Savior in both situations. But I'm not relying on Mark anymore, Brother Ralph. I'm relying on Jesus. He did it. I don't have to. He gave his life. I don't have to. In the tribulation, guess who's going to give their life? Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Isn't that good? Half y'all. None of y'all but two. Thank you, Brother Eddie and Brother Ron. The midnight cry. There was, there was a cry made at midnight. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out. Get up. Go. Go see him. Go get him. Right? That's the way it's going to be. Trumpet's going to sound, man. And the dead in Christ are going to get up. Amen? So fast. And I'm probably almost going to see it because I've been praying it for years. I don't know. I hope you see it too. I've always prayed, Lord, let me be at a cemetery. Let me be preaching a funeral when you come so I can watch them bodies. Just... Right? And I've had so many people tell me, oh, preacher, that's going to happen so fast. In a moment, a twinkle of an eye. You know how fast a twinkle is, preacher? I said, yes. 
But God can do all things. He put that thing in a great thing called slow motion. Just for Mark. He said, Lord, I'm, you said it. I'm a, whatever I ask of the Father in your name, Jesus, you would give it to me. I've prayed it for years. I believe I'm going to see it. Now, I want to go right after. Mind you, if my feet ain't tingling and coming off the floor right after, I'm going to be in panic mode. <laughs> the trumpet of God is going to sound right. Go get it. Go get your bride, right? He's going to say, come on up here, right? Go get him. And people are going to be scrambling, right? You're going to hear the trumpet. You're going to stand and look up, gazing as the apostles did, right? And because he said, as you see him go, you're going to see him return. Amen? So as they were standing there gazing up, as Jesus left them, it shows me that we're going to be gazing heavenwardly as he splits the eastern sky, and we're going to see our Lord returning. Amen? Stepping out on the clouds, as the song used to say, and saying, as he did to John, come on up. Amen? Come up hither. Is that what he said in Revelation? Come on, come up here. Right? And that's what we're going to hear. Man, what a wonderful time. You can see them scrambling, man, grabbing their lamps, man, they're running out. Where's he at? Where's he at? <laughs> On that day of the rapture, that's what's going to be happening. People are going to be taken away, right? People are going to be scrambling, looking around, trying to find everybody, and they ain't going to know where they went. The five wives are going to be gone. The five foolish will be left behind. What happened? Right? What happened? So we read a little bit further, and it says here, that after this cry, they all went out to meet him. In verse 7, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Circle verse 7, highlight it, use it somewhere down the road. They all had oil, they all had lights, they all were lit. It tells us they trimmed them to make them brighter that they could see. And the foolish said in verse 8, unto the wise, we can't see. Give us your oil for our lamps are gone out. Right? <laughs> Can't you imagine if it was this which worked with me? Did you hear that? Did you hear it? What? I didn't hear a thing. Did you hear it? I didn't hear nothing. Right? The five wise, the five foolish. The wise hear it. And he said, my sheep know my voice. The trumpet of God is not going to be heard by those who aren't ready. It'll only be heard by those that are ready. Amen? If you're not ready, you will not hear that beautiful noise that sound of the trumpet, that voice of God crying out, come on up, amen? Come on up. You won't hear it. So you can see in the parable here, they were reaching over to those that had it and say, give us some of your oil. We can't see. It appears that they could see. The tent with the lamps were lit bright. They could see. And the Bible declares to us in Psalm chapter 119, I love this passage, in 105, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They, their lights, they, they had oil, right? They were prepared. They trimmed their lights. They could see the direction to go to get to the bridegroom, but the other five could not. Amen. With me? The church will see Christ because they're ready. This light and that light, right? Light attracts light. I'm going to see the light. I'm going to hear his voice. And I'm going to be able to go, and you're going to be able to go. But if we're not ready, we won't hear it. We won't be hearing it. Which is why the chaos and the confusion happens in the world immediately after the church is gone. 
because there's no light under their feet and no lamp under their path. He's the light of the world. He lights the path. Right? You hear people say all the time, walk in the light as he's in the light. Right? Biblically, it teaches us that, right? Walk in it. As he shows you light, walk in it. How can you walk in it? Because he's illuminating it. How's he illuminating it through your life, right? You're just a light bulb. You're a flashlight, right? You sit right there, and when you light up, everything around you is lit so you can see where not to stumble and fall. You can see the path that leads to righteousness for his name's sake, as the Bible says. Straight and narrow is the way that leads to him. And if you don't have light, you won't see that. Everything is just broad. That's what it says. Broad is the way that leads to destruction because you have, no, you have nothing that is focusing on the path. Everything, when you look out there, you just see a big void, broad, amen? And you just start walking aimlessly into the darkness, hoping that you're stepping in the right path. So we have to be ready, have our oil with us, have our lamps trimmed, have all this stuff that we talked about, so when that time comes, we can see, right, the way to go. He said, be, be ready, right, for you don't know when it's coming. Man, I tell you, he really preached to these apostles Here's how you're going to know. Just be ready. Without the light, we cannot see the way. Then all the virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, Have you lost your mind? <laughs> it is capitalized in my Bible, saying, Not so. You better get your hands off my light. Right? Lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell it and buy it for yourself. In other words, you should have got it already. Is that right? I can't. See, what Jesus is teaching this parable to his apostles and to all of us today, I can't, I can't give you my light. You have to acquire your own light. We're all lights in God's city. I have a light. You have a light. We all have light. There's, not, there's just enough light for me to get there. There's not enough for me and you. For me anyway. There's enough for all of us, but as he gives it, right? But I can't, this is why you can't sleep on grandmama's prayers. You're not going to scoot into heaven on mama's prayers. You're not going to make it on the preacher's prayers. You're not going to make it on whatever it is. We have to have our own. Clearly Jesus is teaching here. No, no because if there's not enough for both of us. If I give you my light, then I'm lost too. Right? Simply teaching, it's up to the individual to get the oil and the light. Get the light and then fuel it. Right? How do you fuel it? By chasing after Jesus, the one who gave it. He, this is what he's teaching. If you want light, he said in this parable, go to the people that sell it and get it. Right? Go to the people that sell it. What do you think people are going to be doing when the rapture happens? Rapture's going to take place, man, it's bang to be gone. I would venture to say to you, at least for the first few days afterwards, churches in America will be filled. Just like they are now. Amen? You let a tragedy happen that we just talked about earlier, and you can't get them in the, you can't, there ain't another place you can put them for a couple of weeks. And then people leave Jesus when things start going better for them. Things go south, they flock to Jesus. Things go bad, they go away from him. So I can promise you, when that day happens, I think I can promise you, Folks are going to be scrambling, trying to figure out what happened. And there's been enough word preached in this world that they're going to understand something bad just happened and I missed it. Something good happened rather and I missed it, which is a bad thing for me. And they're going to flock to where? To the people, that they, the places they think have the answers. 
They're going to go to the church because this is where they've always went and got the answers. And the sad part is there's going to be enough people in church to have church. Amen? They're going to be some preachers preaching on Sunday and Wednesday just like they did before the rapture. Right? Thinking they were ready, but they wasn't ready. Preachers, and there'll be enough, there'll probably be enough preachers and teachers and musicians to continue having church. And folks will be coming for answers. And this is where the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he's going to explain some things away. He's going to have knowledge and he'll be able to call down fire from heaven, the Bible says. He'll have limited power that God will give him. And he's going to mislead and, and, and people around the world. And he's going to have the answer, at least what sounds like the answer, to what happened while this chaos is happening and calm everything down and people are going to go right back to doing what they did before the rapture. There's another parable that says that people will be buying and selling. And I believe the Bible tells us that too in Revelation that there will be people still buying and selling, giving in marriage. Simply put, they're still going to be carrying on just like they always have. Amen? Things will settle down. Whew, I thought we missed the rapture. <laughs> and you did. Amen? Amen? <laughs> That's going to be a sad time. I hope I don't miss the rapture. Don't y'all? I pray I'm ready. But the wise said, ain't, ain't so, lest there not be enough in verse 9 for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy you for yourselves. While they went to buy, guess who showed up? And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Boy, that's a strong statement, isn't it? And the door was shut. Completed. Finished. It's finished. Do you know, in Noah's time, when the rains fell and the children of God got in, all eight of them, which represents regeneration, the number eight, and those eight were to go regenerate the world after. That's pretty cool. Didn't cost you nothing. Those eight got in there, and the Bible says, who shut the door? God shut it. Who's shutting it here? Mm-hmm. Nobody could get into Noah. Noah couldn't get out to them. We're not going to be able to come back here and help somebody else. The Bible teaches us in a true story, not a parable, of the rich man and Lazarus. The Bible says that Abraham looked and said, speaking of God, it's the bosom of Abraham, meaning type of shadow of God. Even if, we wanted, even if they wanted to get to you or, you wanted to get to, or we wanted to get to you or you wanted to get to us, we can't because why? There's a great gulf fixed. Fixed. Fixed means somebody put it there. Who put it there, God? You are where you are at that point. Are you ready? Will you be ready? Jesus is simply saying to his apostles and to us today, will you be ready? If we wait until he comes to seek him, we will miss him. That's a sure. If we wait till he comes to seek him, we will miss him. While they went to buy, the groom came. While they went to seek, amen, while they went to seek more light, he came. He said, seek me while I may be found. Isn't that what his word said? Seek me while I may be found. Don't wait until I've returned and gone again before you seek me. Right? Because it's too late. You see what I'm saying? Didn't he just paint a beautiful picture to the apostles 
Have you ever thought about verse chapter 25 in that light? He was answering their question a verse later. He said, here's the signs, but here's what you need to know. Just so it piques your interest, here's how you're going to know, right? So we'll have signs. Then what people want, we just want signs. But signs are of no value if you don't heed them. Amen? Amen? If there's a yield sign and you floor it like I do sometimes and you don't heed it, then wreck is imminent. <laughs> Amen? If there is a stop sign, it does not mean spin tires on pavement. It means stop, right? If we don't heed to the stop sign, bad things are going to happen. Is that right? So we all want signs, right? If you don't believe it, let a wreck happen. And there not be a sign out there that you think should have been there. And we're dialing all nines. Right? There should have been a sign out there and I wouldn't have had this terrible wreck. Never mind you running 95 miles an hour in a 25 in a curve. Right? But we've all wanted signs. So God gave them some signs. But this is where he put the rubber on the pavement. He said, here's your sign. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. And he knew that man would be saying, that's been happening since the beginning of time. When Cain slew Abel, war, right? D the pestilence, right? Pestilence, diseases. People have been sick ever since sin happened, right? And it's true. There's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. Been earthquakes all over the world since sin happened. Right? Every one of them. You can read them and they've all been happening. And isn't that what man does? That's what we talk about. When you start talking to somebody about the Lord returning, they say, don't give me that. It's been happening forever. It's how you know it's true. So God knew we would do that. He gave us signs like we asked for so we wouldn't be caught off guard. But pay attention to chapter 25. Most unread and ununderstood and most unstudied scripture probably in the Bible. The one that matters the most. Jesus said, I gave you some signs, but I'm going to lay some truth on you. Don't worry about the signs so much, but make sure you know the sun. Amen? Signs, signs, signs. They're everywhere. But the Son of God, amen, he's what's important. Make sure you don't miss Jesus. Right? <laughs> Here's your sign. But Jesus said, here's the truth. Amen? Is that good? <laughs> if we wait until he comes to seek him, we're going to miss him. I love this. Afterwards came also the virgins when he shut the door. Afterward came these virgins, the five foolish, saying, Lord, Lord, they knew him. Had had a relationship, but never got rooted and grounded. Open to us. Oh, now, Lord, you know we cast out them old demons in your name. Right? We did this in your name. All these things let us in. Right? And that's where the scripture teaches us, right? He said, I, I never knew you. Is that right? And so he's teaching that same thing here in the parable. I never knew you. 
Right? I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know you. Because that's what he tells them here in verse 12. But he answered and said, Verily, anytime you see the word verily, it means truth. Of a truth is what it means. I say unto you, I know you not. Now, how do you mean God don't know them? He created them. You mean he didn't know them? Like I was talking to you about with, with Judas. I mean, I didn't know you were going to betray me. Sure he did. He, know, he knew these five foolish virgins by name. He knew them. But what he meant was, I don't see no light. Right? I don't see me in you. I don't see a relationship. I saw a start of a relationship. I saw in Revelation chapter 2. He speaks here of exactly what he's talking about right here. Jesus here is simply speaking to the church here at Ephesus, the church at Sardis. You can, there's all but two of them. And he just simply says to them, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, angel here means messenger, minister, preacher, if you will, of that church. Write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, the churches, you and me, he's around us everywhere, right? I know your works, your labor, and your patience, how you cannot not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. I know you. He's teaching us here. He knows them. So what did he mean here? I, I didn't know you. He knew them. And hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, and hast labored and hast not fainted, but uh-oh, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you left your first love. Huh? <laughs> I didn't know you. Translated, oh, I know you. But I don't know you now. In a relationship, spiritually speaking. Oh, I know the works that you did. I know all those things that you did but you've left your first love. And then he said, now go back and do your first works and repent or else I will remove your candlestick. I don't know you. You with me? When he removes your candlestick, you're no longer part of the church because the candlesticks here in Revelation, the seven candlesticks, he tells you in Revelation chapter 1 represents the church. Who is the church? You and I. So if he removes us, then we're no longer part of the what? Body. And if you're not part of the body, which he is the head, then he don't know you. Amen. You with me? Look at your neighbor and say, are you confused? I'm trying not to confuse you. I'm trying to give you some scripture. But he answered and said, verily I say unto you, I know you not. And then he says this solemn warning to the apostles after he done dropped it like it's hot. Amen? On them. I mean, he just dropped it. Can you not see the apostles right here? Mouth open, toes hurting. I mean, back, I mean, he wore them out. And he just simply, like your daddy and your mama, right? And your daddy's whipping on you, when, at least when I was a kid. 
My dad always wanted to talk when he's whipping me. That made it worse because the longer he talked, the more I got whipped. You ain't never going to do that again. You know, he just keep adding to it. And Jesus is letting them have it right here, right? Don't miss this moment, right? Don't miss it. Then he says, now pay attention, boys and ladies. He's saying, watch therefore. In other words, the Bible teaches us to be vigilant and to be sober-minded, right? Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes, right? I love here Jesus said, now, now watch, right? Now watch. Pay attention to the signs. I gave them to you, but watch. Watch what? Watch over your soul. Amen? Be ye ready. Amen? Be ready. It's important for us to be ready. Don't miss it. Man, he just dropped that on them, and it wasn't long after that he left them. And don't you know they spent some time thinking about chapter 25 if they had it back then. They just had the word spoken, right? Just like we got it here, but they didn't have it nice little leather bound like we got it. Will you be ready? That's the question. I want to read to you in James chapter 4, verse 13, 14, and 17. If you have your Bible want to follow along with us, just a little more here to, 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 to really tie this whole thing together. God's word tells us, go to now, ye that say today, as I said to you earlier, or tomorrow, we will go in into such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain tomorrow. We'll do it either today or tomorrow. We'll just put it off. In verse 14, he said, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. We don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds. For what is your life? I quoted this to you earlier. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin, he said. If we know, if we know to do the things that he told us in chapter 25 of Matthew, and we do not do those things, then that's disobedience which becomes sin which cannot enter into heaven. He tells us in His Word that no sin shall enter into heaven. Now in the world we live today, we're trying to change that and say this can, this can, and this can. But my Bible teaches me that Jesus said, no sin shall enter into heaven. None. Zero. Right? So if I know to be ready and I'm not ready, I'm disqualified for heaven. Is that right? That's what I read. I'm not qualified. The only way we're qualified is through Christ. The Bible mentions something that scares me to death. That the righteous will scarcely make it. And then he says, so where does the unrighteous and the unjust, where do they, where do they fall? If the, if the righteous in Christ, if we're going to scarcely make it, now that don't mean we're just going to be crawling in by the teeth, by, our, by the skin of our teeth. It just means that the only way into heaven is through Christ. We're not going to be able to do it. He said, not by works, lest any man should boast. So the only way we're going to get to heaven is through Christ. Right? And that's the only way. And the scarcely part means it scares me because 
it tells me in another place in the Bible that hell has enlarged itself. Amen? Which teaches me that it is growing. It has to grow to accept all those that are not accepting Christ. Right? So it's scarcely meaning. There's, the Bible says there's, and this is what people want to argue with you, but the Bible says that they're, they're numbered like the sand of the sea, man. There's so many of them. Yes. But there's also a bunch of them that ain't going to go. Amen? We're not going to ride into glory on our own merit and our own morals and our own shirt tails. We're going to ride in on the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And because He died for us, we're not worthy to make heaven our home, but because of Christ, we're going to make heaven our home. If we are ready, if we have Him with us, right, and we are prepared, we'll make it into heaven. But it scares me, Lord, have I done enough? Am I truly ready? I mean, have I got enough oil? Have I got enough of your presence? Oh, man. Come on, somebody. The oil in the Bible represents the Holy Ghost, the presence of God, His very presence. The Bible says that they took oil in their vessels, right? Meaning they had their lamps lit already. Whatever vessel was holding the oil in their lamp was full, but they had more overflowing amen blessings that he poured out that they weren't able to contain you with me you see what I'm saying if we're going to make heaven our home man we got to enlarge our vessel I said that to you the other week you know about Jabez man he had it right God enlarge my coast why so I could be richer no enlarge my coast so I could be more wise no Enlarge my coast for whatever. No. Enlarge my coast that I can inhabit more of you. Come on, guys. You with me? More of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. The more we have of God in us, the readier, the readier, the more ready we will be. Amen? Leave no doubt about your destination. Y'all with me? Let me say that again. Leave no doubt about your destination. Be ye ready. Amen. Pray enlarge my coast, God. Give me a bigger vessel. Can't you see in this? Every story backs up a story. Man, when you think about the prophet, and he was there, and the woman who had lost her, her husband, she had nothing left. She had just a little bit of oil to feed her children and to feed herself. And she said, and then we're just going to die. Isn't that right? But the prophets asked her about her oil. And she said, I just got this little cruise. Right? I just got this little bit. She was fixing to die. Right? She was about to leave this world. That's all she had. But he said, do you have any vessels? Do you have any? And she said, yeah. He said, go get them. And man, when she went and got them, that little bit of oil began to pour into those vessels. And it filled, it kept filling them. It kept filling them, and it kept filling them, and it kept filling them. What is it teaching us? Right? If we hunger enough for God, God is enough. And if you want more, just bring more vessels. If you want more, enlarge your coast. And God will continue to fill them until you say, I ain't got any more. And when that happens, when we say, God, I have no more, here's what you're going to hear. Man, I'm about to run, y'all. You can now see where 
Paul said what he said. I have finished my course. I have no more vessels. Lord, you have filled me up to overflowing. I'm as prepared as I'll ever be. It's finished. That's what that story with that woman depicts. I now have enough to what? Live. Amen? That's why the story was given. Yes, to show that God is enough. Yes, to show that God can give you more than what you need. But he was teaching us that he is enough to sustain your life. Amen? Eternal life. <laughs> Golly, y'all. Huh? Enlarge my coast. Amen. Bow your head with me if you will, please. Lord, have mercy. <laughs>